0: Best best welcome
1: to your best bets episode one seven four of your best bets uh thanks everyone for continuing to listen and support the show uh you know we got we had a really interesting football weekend, but we're not here to talk about football or some of the interesting things that happened over the weekend or some tough losses, uh, interesting decisions by coaches. We're here to talk about golf. I got two very good golfers with me much better than myself. A sad Johnny Strauser is here, but he is still here. Uh How are you, sir?
0: Well, all things considered, I'm all right. I mean, I've, Cried myself to sleep a couple of nights, so we're we're gonna figure out another reason to cry myself to sleep to tonight. So um, I think I'll be over that and whatnot. But yeah, pr- really proud of the team. Um, it was it's always fun as a Lions fan when they're relevant on Thanksgiving Day and to be into the new year and and to have that kind of a type of response for how they played all this the this entire season was was pretty incredible and it's still kind of gut wrenching and it's going to bother me because of all like everything that could go wrong in that second half and i know most everybody probably watching this podcast probably watched that game and just saw just the uh, the uh the compounding of errors and decisions that just devastated the team there and, and it's uh it, it's tough because 30 minutes 30 minutes of just average football is all they had to play and they'd be uh they'd be preparing for a game there so you know it is what it is though but uh you know you asked me to be on the podcast tonight and i said um you know what i'm not going to be dan campbell i'll just kick it with you guys tonight and we'll just uh have a good time <laughs>
1: Well, you know, listen, someone that suffered through a really, really difficult loss uh, four years ago with uh, the double doink doink. lives in infamy as a Bears fan. You know, it will get better. Uh, You know, there was a bottom and out point, but it will get better. And at least you know, there there is there is light at the end of this tunnel with a really good team. It seems like on paper, good good GM, good coaching staff, all that. So, I think the lines are here to stay. That's that's kind of what you have to hold on to after that uh, pretty devastating second half.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I want to say one thing. Other thing before I go, like before we end this and stop talking about it, I the one thing that drives me batshit crazy is when people always refer to the term "same old lions." I am hoping that this season that nationally that that term is buried forever and from whatever they do from here on out, whether it's 10 years from now, 20 years from now or whatever, they stop using that because that line irritated me so much. And I think uh, I think they've kind of proven that that's uh, no longer the case anymore going forward. So with that, I guess that's at least good.
1: Well, I just stored that away in my mental bank to use on you in next September if they lose like two in a row and I can use that in a tight Jesus Christ, man. As long as you don't use it the
0: golf course, band, that, that's how you win a couple <laughs> holes off of there. Scott
1: Pierre is up, here. Scott, um, welcome back. You, you know, hey. you've you've been on several times and kind of given us at least the last few shows, your your journey of, you know, I guess not getting out of competitive golf and getting into teaching and the last time you were on last spring you know you talked about kind of what your venture was hoping to get to and now almost 12 months later on the other side of it I mean you got a lot going on tell us tell us what's new and how things are going yeah
2: yeah thanks thanks for having me Johnny listen real quick your 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 lines have become the sweethearts of the NFL they have but they have. I'm. I'm. I am a Lions fan, kind of on the bandwagon, just because I loved everything they did. So, I'm. I'm on your I appreciate team, buddy. That. I'm on I your side. That. I'm on your side. Um. So yeah. So, what's happened with me? Gosh, uh, a lot's happened so far here. Uh. This just at the end of the year, coming into the the beginning of 2024. Um. We uh, as as I think most people know. Um. At the Jefferson Crossing Mall, uh, attached right across, kind of right across the hallway from Mitchell's, uh, there was a beautiful golf suite that Todd Smith, the gentleman who owns the spot, a good longtime friend of mine, uh, we've known each other since we've been twelve years old, thirteen years old, going to uh, the Roller Dome skating. <laughs> you know, is how far we go back. Um, and Todd was uh, kind of determined to try to get a space that was attached to the back side of that. Um, that uh suite which was uh, someone he was renting to he agreed to give up the conference room um and we took the conference room and we built a second suite and he built me the most marvelous golf room you'll you'll ever you know want to have as a teacher it's uh it's a pretty incredible thing it's a little different than the original room is a weird kind of pie shaped kind of long ish wide room this is more narrow and kind of long so i don't have a big curved screen like the original suite, but I've got a flat swing uh, screen about 18 feet in length, and I've got pressure plates in the floor and the greatest video capture software you've ever seen. And um, it just uh, teaching has become probably more fun than it's probably ever been for me right now. So I'm really enjoying myself.
1: So kind of talk about how it uh, how it grew into where we were last spring, where you yeah. kind of starting up just getting back into teaching. You know, yeah. if it was going to see someone at Riverbend or I saw I saw you out in the summer a couple of times at Shof and uh, yeah. I got to kind of eavesdrop on some of your lessons while I was, uh, <laughs> I was next to you and yeah. how it got from that point to saying, man, I want to get an actual dedicated space to do this. Yeah.
2: Well the the show thing is interesting because the city of Fort Wayne Gary Whitaker, who runs the the city courses um asked me if I wouldn't become one of uh two instructors myself and Mark Beneky our friend Mark Beneky everybody's friend is Mark Beneky uh everybody's and, friend. Yeah. that's right so um so what happened was I said of course I would love to do that and I started to teach um um, and they have a program they put together that has some packages for juniors and different things, but, you know, I'm a product of show park. I am a muni golfer. That's who I am. You know, I didn't grow up at a private club. I grew up playing a part of three municipal golf course. So to go back there and teach was amazing. So I'm sure you probably saw, I was having probably a lot of fun doing, doing that. And there were a lot of kids involved. And so I don't think I'm going to have time to do that this year with what's going on now, but, um, but I, last year was just dedicated to falling back love in love with teaching. And I just tried to teach as much as I could possibly teach. I taught, you know, in the Sh- Joe, Shof Park uh, Parks program. Um, I was doing outside lessons at Cherry Hill. I was doing short game lessons at Riverbend. I was putting at Cherry Hill. I was just, just nonstop trying to just touch as many people as I could and and try to to really get back to growing something that, you know, uh, seemed really fun again. That's what I did for a long time. So um, the fact that Todd has been kind enough to include me in his plans to, ex- in his expansion um, down there at Mitchell sports bar in the, the Jefferson crossing mall, and to actually have a room that, you know, he specifically sat down with me and the rep from about golf and said, you know, let's, let's set it up the way he wants was, pretty amazing. I mean, what I have is, is really special and everybody who's been in there and, and, and worked with me is, I mean, it's, it's impressive. It's, it's just, it's not hard to figure things out when you've got everything, you know?
1: Yeah. It, I, and I know, I, I, I think we talked about this. I, I went, uh, we worked together at the golf garage mm-hmm. in February and then yeah. we, we did a putting lesson in the summer, which I want to talk about the putting lesson and some of the stuff yeah. that you, you were showing me at that point later, but, um, you know, I, th- I think at that point we were talking, I asked you about what's, what's your, um, kind of theory on using technology versus not, and where do you fall in with that, with your teaching methods, you know, a year later, where are you now with that?
2: Yeah, well, I think I, you know, and I always use, um, one of the things whenever I get asked that question, cause I get asked that question quite a bit actually, um, is, you know, I have a great friend of mine who's a very good player, a friend of mine from the champions tour, Um, And, you know, he's he's a guy who just he's never latched on to um, using TrackMan or any other launch monitor, trying to figure out numbers and kind of use the technology to figure out what's really going on. And so occasionally I find him going into search mode because he's kind of doing things the old way. He thinks in terms of something's up with his golf swing and starts pointing to his golf swing immediately, sometimes when things go wrong. And I think when you work on with technology, what I tell people is, I I hope we're trying to get to the truth, right? I mean, I think all of us want that. What's really going on here? What's the truth of why I hit the golf ball, the direction I hit it? Why do I have the misses that I hit? And that's all I'm really trying to do with technology is get to the truth of what's really going on, measuring what's going on, and then teaching people how to manage those numbers and become more simple. To be honest with you, I, I am probably myself more natural and more simple than I've ever been now because when I hit a shot, I'm a right misser. When, when I hit a shot and I hit a two degree open face shot, I just know that's all that is. I can just move past it and get on with it. I know how to fix that. And I don't immediately go off to the side and start like looking at my, what am I doing? You know, I don't go into search mode anymore. And so that's really what I try to do with people is I try to get them to understand why we're doing what we're doing, have a good understanding of it and understanding how to make that, uh, how to move that into the relationship of you to the golf club is really all we're trying to do.
1: Johnny, I, I certainly don't want to dominate here.
0: No, with the, uh, um, you know, I mean, you're, you know, you started golf when, when, you know, at a young age, when I played as well, when we had, you know, You know, steel headed woods and, and, uh, you know, steel shafts in your, in your driver. And when they put graphite, you were, you were somebody. And then when titanium came out, it was just incredible and stuff. So we, I, I feel we were both, you know, as we learned the game, it was when, you know, you, you had to really kind of focus on golf swing fundamentals, and you just looked at it that you didn't have access to. Oh, the club is two degrees open, like you said, or or my my launch is at thirty five hundred miles per hour on on my driver, which is too spinny and and whatnot. When you when you work with uh, you know your pupils and everything, do you are, are you able to kind of get them to understand and and dissect the numbers and just. Yeah. know that uh um where that stuff translates and where it can react with the golf uh with the golf ball
2: yeah sure yeah you know johnny i'm even older than that dude i, I, I was playing with persimmon woods i didn't, didn't
0: want to say it but yes i
2: didn't I, uh, I didn't have a metal driver until my senior year in college okay oh my that God. was when TaylorMade made kind of came out with the preferred the the uh burner yep. or whatever it was right yep. that you look at now and it's small oh my than goodness yeah my dad had those yeah how do you even hit it right Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, you know, the biggest thing here's, here's really the biggest thing that, that happened in golf and in instruction. Um, and I think most people know this, but for those of you that don't, it's worth mentioning is the PGA of America for literally 70 years taught their ball flight laws. So I can even, I, I can't remember what the graph looked like, but I can sort of picture it in my mind. It was kind of showing these, you know, all the low, medium, high fades draws. Right. And, They taught that. I taught that as a teacher back in the early 2000s. Once launch monitors hit just a little over a decade ago, the track bands, GC quads, you know, right, Foresight, um, within a couple few years of of us getting data from launch monitors, we came to realize that everything they taught was wrong. They taught that the face controlled the curvature and the path controlled where the ball started. And that's completely wrong. It's the complete opposite. You know, the face controls 85 to 90% of where that ball starts. And the tour players are so good now because they play with this real neutral face and they've learned how to move their path a little bit to create some curvature. So it's really teaching people that, to be honest with you, it's just teaching them the truth of what this is and how to make a golf ball where you go, where you want to go and what that relationship is. But, you know, prior to that, I mean, we were teaching things for a lot of years as PGA pros that were. That was completely wrong. And it was because that's what the PG of America was teaching us. Right. So I think that's why we see so much great young talent now. That's good. And we see people who kids I can remember when I was coming up, Johnny, you know, my prime wasn't going to be till I was 30 or 35 or whatever. That's Mm -hmm. what they told us. Right. And now we see kids, and you know, we see a, an amateur win. You know, yeah. Nick Dunlop <laughs> wins and makes it look easy. Really, I know he had to make a putt and all that, but he shot 27 under, right? But they're so good because they understand that relationship. And now you can measure all of that, right? And I don't see him as some mechanical kid. He looked, he was just freewheeling out there because yeah. he's learned what that relationship really is. And now that you know that you can really hit the ball well. So that's really what I teach as much as anything to young kids and to my competitive golfers, my high school kids, my college kids is, you know, how to how to manage that. And then more importantly, when you get into a round of golf and you're competing and it goes sideways, how do I manage that? That's yeah. really the key to being a good player and you know that as well as I do. Yep.
1: Yeah, I was going to I was going to ask you about sort of that thought of someone that's that's maybe Technical or they're they're technically sound, and when they're trying to fix things, they 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 go back to the fundamentals. And if it's a grip or swing path or, or whatever it is, and someone on the opposite side who's more feel, and they they just tend to try to feel things out. And if there something's going wrong in the round, man, I'll work, I'll figure it out. Don't what's what's easier to work with as as an instructor or teacher? I mean, someone that's more feel based or more technically sound. Um.
2: That's a great question. Uh, I love field based players. I think field based players are easier to get them to be good players. Uh, and I, what I mean that shoot scores. Um, when you get somebody who's this overly mechanical, eighteen things they're thinking about, they've got four different golf swings. Those people are the ones you've got to you've got to try to reel in and and try to teach them that this is not a game you can just control. You can't just you can't think your way through that one second. You take the club back and get back to the golf ball. There's got to be some uh, letting go of that a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I will tell you, I think one of the biggest things that I teach to people from a p- playing standpoint and a practice standpoint is you, you You, the worst way to practice, and we might have even talked about this the worst way to practice is to go, let's say, take a lesson or, or look at a video and you're working on something. Okay. And you're focused on your body. You're focused on what you're trying to do, whatever that is. You're ch- trying to change your path, your takeaway, whatever you be mechanical and you're going to, Aim at a target and you make the determination how well things are going with, is the golf ball going to the target? I think the best way to practice is if you're going to work on you, then focus on you, put an aim stick down, get away from targets and hit it to nothing. Don't, don't, don't get stuck in, Hey, I'm doing well here because I'm knocking the flag down or I'm missing the flag, you know, work on, focus on you and then, and, and, and work on whatever you're working on. And when you're ready to play golf, turn around, get out of that mode get into golf mode. There's the target. I'm going to go through my routine, focus on the target. I'm going to step in and play golf to that target. Hit a couple balls, a few balls there, let's say, and then step back out of that, get back into yourself and then work on that and then step back in and play golf. And I think being able to separate those two is what helps people take it to the golf course. You know, you've got to be able to work in those two modes so you can separate those so that when it's time to go play, you can get out of I'm focused on me mode and get focused on target. So that's a big thing that you know I teach juniors and kids that are in high school and colleges you know you got to be able to separate those two things. There's those are two different ways that of 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 hitting a golf ball. One is focused on you trying to get better and the other one is trying to play golf. And I think that's a big thing that people have to do to be good players because ultimately it's about how many shots are we taking to get the ball in the hole from the first tee to the 18th hole, you know. That's what ultimately what it comes down to. Well, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of really good, really, really good young players in this area
0: Mm. as as I know you've come across and everything, Mm -hmm. but a lot of them, they're, they're very mechanical with their golf swings. And, and I've had the chance to play with several of the young guys in, in the Fort Wayne golf association events. And, and I mean, they hit it way by me and they, they hit a lot of good straight shots and everything. But like, like you said that, you know, they get a little bit off target with their golf swing where things are going a little bit haywire and, and a lot of them, you know, it's like they don't really know how to recover the, the, yeah, the round right. of golf, and they just end up posting a higher number than what they want. And I think there's a there's a good uh, there's a component where you've got to kind of like you said, where you've got to explain to them where you've got to just kind of focus on your body and 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 hitting good golf shots, not really worrying about the results and everything. So right. I think that's a real important thing that, that a lot of people that are watching this right now, have got you know parents and whatever that they've got to understand that you're not only teaching them to swing the club nicely but scoring is what's ultimately going to get those kids college scholarships it's going to win them high school golf tournaments it's going to you know it's going to make them uh, beat their buddies as they get older and everything like that so i mean i think that's a that's a pretty good thing there but as for like your teaching plan like if someone were to sign up for a a group of lessons i mean is do you have a certain like schedule or or type of uh uh, you know set, set set number of like lessons or types of lessons that you give these
2: guys? Yeah. So, you know, when I tell people, if someone came out and said, design something for me, I would tell them, let's take, let's do four one-hour lessons. Let's do a full swing lesson. Let's do a short game lesson, which would be 50 yards and in. Let's do a potting lesson. And then let's leave that fourth lesson open for whatever we need to work on. That's not, that's the worst part of it is what I would tell people. And then go from there. And then we'll go from there. I always would like to circle back to full swing at some point, of course, but um, I just think that it's you can't go too, you can't give them too much, you can't overwhelm people. We're not trying to rebuild everything. I think that's hard to do. We got to help manage people through it. My competitive golfers, um, the plan with them is we're we're in development mode right now you know i'm making i'm making life tough on a lot of good young players right now because we're trying to clean up the stuff that really needs to be cleaned up now once we get to the season we're done we're stop we're not cleaning that anymore we're not adding we're not trying to develop anymore we're trying to get into play mode so wherever we are for the high school boys on march 15th that's where we're at and we're going to stick with our game plan of how we're going to play and we'll stick with that all the way through the competitive season and when we get to the fall, we'll sort of dissect what we think is maybe the worst part, which is a lower body issue or a spine angle issue or whatever it is. And then we'll start developing again. But I think that's what good players do. I don't think they're constantly in that develop mode all year. Tour guys, Rory's not doing that. He works in the offseason on the things he wants to work on. And when it's time really to get into the meat of the season, which is probably what masters for him, You, I don't think he's trying to mechanically do anything. I think that's what hurt him was that two years ago when he went through that weird sort of phase where he got in that yep. search mode right in the middle of the florida swing and he just sort of disappeared from playing well for two months because i just felt like that's what he did he all of a sudden started working on his golf swing talking about his golf swing right in the middle of the season so that's kind of how i do it with the competitive golfers um so i don't know if that answers your question or not yeah. or if i got off a. Of- off track on that, but um, that's kind of how I like to do it with with the competitive kids. And and, and you're right, the, the 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 art of this is figuring out how to get it done on that day when you don't have it. Yeah. That's the art of being a winner in golf, no doubt yeah. about it.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, how much do you talk about course management and with, with your high school, college kids and course management <clears throat> skills? And you know, I I think about just a lot of players that are even good players, maybe not managing certain golf courses the way they should with maybe just you know and johnny mentioned it with kids nowadays being so damn good with the driver and so Mm -hmm. long so straight i think there is just this general i'm just gonna i'm just gonna hit driver as long as i can every hole and i'll figure it out but i mean is that is that a is there an element to that you talk about with with your players
2: yeah no doubt you know i mean the nice thing about me is I'm I'm teaching on th- this wonderful technology and I'm also teaching on the simulator that we can create these situations anytime we want. We don't have to go to the golf course to do it. We can just do it, do it there. But one of the things I would tell anybody who's a young player or somebody who has length that's even that's listening is you don't just dominate with length by hitting the driver. You dominate with length by hitting hybrids as far as someone else hits a driver. That's part of this. Okay. Right. You use your length through the bag and it doesn't always have to be how far can I blast the driver. And so sometimes that opens people's eyes. They go, yeah, I wasn't really thinking about that. I'm like, you're hitting a, a hybrid 270. And the guy you're playing with is his driver 270. You've, when you pull hybrid out, you've got a wider fairway. You, you, you can play the same game he's playing with less club. And that's part of being good. That's part of being, having speed, right? And so that's a big part of it. And one of the other things I would tell you that I, I see a lot is, let's just say we get on um, the system I'm on is an about golf system. One of the cool things about that system is when you play on it, the information, the data you get from the little play data box on the lower right hand part of the screen is it gives you distance to the front of the green. You have distance to the pin and you've got distance to the back of the green. And you just can't believe how many good young players don't even understand how to use that. <laughs> right. Right if i put if i put it on breezy so that wind affects what we do and you've got let's say a a, a back pin you know into the wind and you've got you know 50 to the hole and 64 to the uh, to the back, or let's say you've got um, 55 to the hole and 65 to the back of the green, and he's trying to blast an eight iron in there into a 14 mile an hour wind, which is going to leave it way short of the green. They don't, they don't, they, they miss club constantly. We talk through that all the time. I would say, well, listen, this is how, what I would think, you know, I can't hit a seven iron 165, no wind at all. I've got 14 miles an hour into me. I've got 65 to the back edge. Chances are I'm not going to knock six iron over that green, but just to be certain, I might grip that down a half inch, get into maybe a second to third gear type swing, take it down a little bit and trust that I can flight it and I can hit, drive it back more into the green. You're not going to knock it over the green with that club. And I can't tell you many times kids get up there and like, man, this is too much club. It's too much club. And we play a shot like that and it turns out perfect. They're like, wow. I'm like, yeah. You can't just step up and just belt, you know, hit a full out eight iron into a fourteen mile an hour wind. Conversely, if you're the other way going downwind, they they constantly are are hitting the wrong club constantly. You know, they don't manage that wind and that front pin very well. So those are the things we talk through. You know, you get Johnny in there. Johnny will talk through that beautifully yeah, this is what I'm thinking, and he'll talk through it and go, yeah, this is a pitching wedge, even though the number might look like it's a nine iron, but it's downwind, you know, it's more of a deep flag, he doesn't want to hit it over that green, you know, things like that, those are the things I see more than anything that you got to coach those kids through. Yeah.
0: Why, why do you th- Why do you think that is, though, that, that the younger kids just want that distance and just want to hit a hard eight every single time? I mean, is there... You've got to be a
2: reason for that, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I think Bryson. that they see it, the PJ Tour. <laughs> I mean, the PJ Tour. You know, yeah. it's um, um, I, I encourage a lot of those kids to watch some LPJ golf. To be yeah. honest with you, because they tend to play. We always talk about gears, right? You know, we got, and I always talk in terms of first, second, third, and fourth. You know, we really don't want to play in fourth gear. I want my guys playing in third gear. And if we're gonna go one way or the other, I'd like to see it go down to second and take a little more club. And so let's try to get a handle on what we're trying to do. Let's control our body, control our speed, control our low point. We don't do that by swinging as hard as we can. It's hard to, to control no. it that way, right? And so um, teaching the young kids that that's a big part of the game. Um, I'll give you an example. I've got a kid that I teach who's 13 named Drake Adams. Drake's going to be a beautiful high school and college player someday. And, and, you know, I've been working with him for a little bit over a year now, and we work on that constantly and we have, we have criteria for it. You know, we'll get into a situation where he's got to back down. And I said, what are we doing? And he'll say, we're half inch on the down on the club and I'm working out a second gear. I'm like, boy, there we go. That's it. Let's have a game plan. Let's talk through this a little bit. Um, you know, a lot of kids don't think through it that much. They just kind of, you know, hey, it's a 150 shot. They don't take an account with the flag, a front pin, a back pin. with the win into me, is it downwind? And they just, hey, it's 150. I'm hitting eight iron. You know, you just, those are the things, Johnny, that, you know, that experience buys you. That's why you're who you are, right? That's that's why I did well playing. That's why Phil's a nice player. Is just, mm-hmm. you know, we can talk through those things, think those things through a little bit. Mm-hmm. Kids get in a hurry. Their mind is just and they can't slow down. So you know, it's that's the coaching part of it. You got to teach kids how to play. And um, I will tell you, that anybody who's listening that's got a young player, that the greatest attribute you can have as a young player, somebody who's I would say high school or younger right now, college, this applies to too. But if I get a fourteen or fifteen year old kid, the greatest attribute you can have is to um, have a game plan on your shot. Step in, hit that golf shot, watch it till it finishes without any reaction emotionally to that shot accept where it goes without any emotion, walk back to your bag, stick the golf club in the bag, not emotional and get ready to go play that shot. Now that sounds so simple to do <laughs> and it gets easier as you get older. It does. Yeah. But for a kid who's 16 years old or a gal who's 15 years old, it is the hardest thing to do to hit a shot and not immediately react to that shot. And so I coach that all the time there. Are, I've had lessons with with players where I'm like, we're not doing anything until you can do this, okay? Hit me one shot that you can do this on, and then we'll move on. I'm not I'm not letting you get out of here not being able to do that. It's just a constant battle to fight that uh, that, that tendency for a young player to overreact to everything and react quickly, and so we try to calm that. Listen, just relax. We're going to be out here for two hours playing. You're going to hit a lot of shots, okay? Don't let a shot in the first 20 minutes we're out here affect you for the next 30 minutes, and then before you know it, you're standing on the seventh tee, and you're 10 over and you were hoping to shoot four over. I mean, it's all of those things. That's the maturity of it. That's a challenge to teach. It is, you know, so what that's, that's what separates those, those good young players. And you see it enough too. I mean, it it happens all the time. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, Scott, one last thing. And I know kind of, we'll, we'll let you go after this. Um, I I, I mentioned earlier that I did uh, a putting lesson with you in the summer. You wanted to show me something you were pretty excited about and, um, you know, I, I did I did use that method for at least a couple rounds after. I forget who I was playing with. We're like, dude, what are you doing? I'm using Scotty P's new method, man. That's what I'm doing. Um, are, are, is that a, is that a consistent part of your teaching, or is that just you sort of uh, trying it out and see seeing if, if if you liked it? I guess I guess yeah. from, from player to player, is that something consistently you're doing with them?
2: Yeah, yeah. Listen, it changes a little bit from player to player. What Phil's referring to, for anybody who's listening, is um, I, I, I've i been teaching a couple different things um, uh, in putting. One is that we're, we're really trying to train how we control distance and, like, pure distance, not make the putt distance. I'm talking, like, being able to roll a golf ball 12 feet, being able to roll a golf ball 21 feet, increments of three. Um, what he's also referring to is I'm a big believer that if we're managing – figuring out how far we are distance wise on the golf course. Cause like, you know, Johnny hits a ball off of number one at cherry goes out into the fairway. What's the first thing you do? You grab your range finder and you figure out how far you are. And then we go to the green and we never find out how far we are. We never actually walk that off and say, I've got 32 feet or 31 feet or 30 feet. I just think that's a really smart thing to do because then you can kind of mentally get yourself dialed into how, how far do I want to roll this golf ball? And so um, that is something that I don't really, um, as far as determining how far we are on a putt, that's not really a negotiable thing with me when I work with people. Working on the distance side of it, how people approach that is a little bit, I'm open to discussion with that a little bit, but certainly I want people to take time to train. How far do they roll the golf ball, right? Can you roll the ball 15 feet? Can you roll the ball 18 feet? Can you know the difference between the two? To me, that's, that's what being a good putter is because most of the time in the amateur game, the amateurs are so caught up with missing and making because they're watching the PGA tour and guys who are shooting 20 under par who that's how they make their living missing and making putts. In the amateur game, it's total putts that most of the time wins golf tournaments, unless someone's going low or um there's a, a group of guys that are going low. But um it's just trying to get people into a little different mindset that it's okay to putt a ball from 25 feet and leave it two inches short of the hole and tap it in versus running it five feet by and taking a chance that you might miss it coming back, you know? So that's what, that's what Phil's referring to. Now I'm still sticking with it. I think it's a great method for amateurs to to, to start with. And we've seen a lot of success with players at the college level with it. And it's, it's working out good.
1: You know, I did, I did enjoy kind of, after a while knowing the feel of what a 17 footer and then factoring in whether there was you know uh slopes that would you know sure. uphill downhill whatever it may be sure. it, makes it 20 feet or 15 feet and then kind of after a while you're like okay i know i know what a 17 footer feels like and that's right like you said it's 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 a great tool for i think lag putting for sure you know anything that's 20 feet and over i think i i really enjoyed it and um yeah, I was just interested to see if that was yeah. something that you're still kind of. Yeah. yeah, and
2: one thing I would say to anybody listening, too, is I think we use the wrong terminology in potting a lot, and so the terminology that I'm working on my speed is when I hear from people, right? And I don't mean to be a smart-ass about it, but if I'm with somebody who's talking about, well, I'm working on my speed, and I'll say, well, hit a couple putts, and they'll say, and they'll hit the first putt, and I'll go, what did you think about there? Well, I I was managing my speed, or I was working about speed. And at that second putt, and I'll say, what were you thinking about there? I was working about my speed. And I go, okay, well, how fast did you roll that ball? And they'll just go, what? (laughs) I'm like, well, speed's measured in miles per hour. Distance is measured in feet. Are you trying to putt it a certain distance or are you really trying to putt it a certain miles per hour? Because I think that when you start talking in terms of feet and distance and yards and paces, you at least have something measurable. I can stand on a putting green and putt a ball, turn around and walk that off and figure out how far that ball went versus not having any idea how, far, how fast I rolled it. So I, I think getting people to just use the right terminology, think in the right terms as well, I think that's a big part of it too that you get off of being in this sort of abstract way of thinking about speed and just say, listen, I'm gonna. This is how far I'm rolling the ball. I'm trying to roll this ball 21 feet, and then focus in on that distance control, and, and it just makes people a better putter. I think.
1: Yeah. No, I, I it all made sense to me, and I I'm I'm not surprised that it's been effective for for some of your players. Um, yeah. Uh, well, Scott, I you know I think we've kind of reached the 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 window for you here. Uh. <laughs> it's, it's always good to have you on anytime you want to come yeah. on talk golf, talk PJ tour, talk, whatever. Uh, you're always welcome on. Tell us, tell everyone where they can find you. Um, yeah. Give, give us your final spiel
2: here. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So most people that find me for golf lessons will find me on Scott Perry golf on either. Um, you can find me on Instagram, but mostly on Facebook. I've Scott Perry golf. Um, and once you get there, um, just, you know, like the page, you'll have access to all my information. Everything's right there. Uh, um, phone number, email address, how to contact me. And so that's what I would tell everybody to do. Go to Scott Perry golf, reach out. Um, I'm pretty easy to find if, if, if you can't figure it out that way, you can always call probably Cherry Hill golf club where I help them out and I work at sometimes they could, they can lead you in the right direction, but, uh, I would encourage anybody to, you know, give me a call and and come and spend a little bit of time. And it's been a lot of fun.
1: Awesome. Well, best of luck on
2: the continued venture in uh, 24. Gentlemen, great seeing you. Go Lions. Go Lions. Yes, sir. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) See you, fellas.
1: All right. Scott Pieri is... He's he's doing a great job. Um, you know, we have a lot of good instructors around the area. Um, you know, Callahan, LZ, I, I think someone that's an up-and-comer, young up-and-comer, but I know Scott's broken into that scene a little bit. And uh, I enjoyed a couple lessons I had with him last year, so I encourage anyone that's interested in improving their game, whether it's full swing, short game, um, check out Scott. I mean, he's literally in, like, what, the top – point one percent of golfers and you know that play golf I always think of it that way that can you know kind of give you some guidance thoughts on your own game so thanks Scott for for coming on here. Johnny um we got we got some PGA tour stuff to get to here. Um farmers insurance open this last weekend uh we're we're gonna touch on this pretty quickly because um for for time reasons and the fact that it's you know I, I don't know what to say about Matthew Pavone other than um, I was I I was impressed Uh, I can't believe I was watching as much as I watched (laughs) um, on Saturday night Um, uh, it it wasn't like a star-studded leaderboard at least at the top Um, but uh, incredibly impressive for that guy who just got his card uh, through the DP World Tour last season to win and I think it was his what fourth fifth start something like that yeah. on tour um, as a rookie at uh, a, a major championship type golf course. I mean, that was, that was some serious stones there.
0: Yeah, that was, that was very impressive. And I, I was very happy to see that a DP world tour uh, qualifier, a guy who that's the point of this it was to, you know, to yeah. play on the DP world tour to play well on there uh, over in Europe get your card, come over to the United States and, and you just never know what's going to happen. And this guy's now a PGA tour winner. He's got the exemptions. He's into the masters. He's into um, a couple other majors and, you know, he's going to hit the ground running hopefully. And I, I remember a little bit from watching DP world tour stuff on the golf channel in the morning and, you know, he's just a pretty solid player. Like a lot of those guys are very underrated. Um, but just cause we don't see him that much here in the United States. And, you know, there's not many people that, wake up on a Saturday morning and turn around golf and when want want to watch what's on the TP world tour so yeah I mean I t- I tuned in and watched a good chunk of it um I like I mean I like the golf course um it's always set up pretty tough it was kind of set up how I thought it would be and uh he made some critical putts towards the end there and some great up and downs and kind of scrambled on 18 to make that uh to make that birdie to avoid the playoff but you know uh tournament- him and and the field wasn't great but like you said it just it it was a good event i mean you know sometimes you don't need the big names um that to to, to have a great event i mean it it was very competitive down the stretch and you know seemingly enjoyed it
1: i was gonna ask you about that actually did you feel and i think we might have talked about it last week and maybe we didn't but um did you feel the void of John Rahm this week? Because I kind of did. Um, yes, you know, yes, when I, yes. When I think of Tory, I, that's kind of John Rahm's haven, right? I mean, yeah. got his first win there, um, won the US Open a couple of years ago. It did feel a little different. And, you know, it does take a little bit of my, I guess, excitement away from watching um, an event like this where there's not necessarily a star there's not a max home at the stop at the top colin morikawa whoever um and, you know it's 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 some some euros and, and maybe um you know a couple other uh you know <laughs> pga tour mules we kind of call them right mules. um I, so i was going to ask you how how has your viewing experience been so far i guess the last four events since we hit the the 2024 uh swing uh part of the season
0: this was kind of the first time it really it really kind of hit to seeing a guy like Rom and all those other guys out yeah. um, and not playing. I mean, you know, the the first event of the year um, in Kapalua, we're just going to watch just because it's Hawaii. It's a crazy ass great golf course, and you know, it's going to have a lot of good players in it. And then the Sony's going to be is is always is what it is you know and then um but then you get to this event and then it starts to get a little bit real because this is the, the first time that a lot of these guys um you know, the biggest of names show up and and the field just didn't simply have it but that's also because uh because because pebble is such a highly rated event this year being a signature event so yeah that that definitely takes a lot away from it because you look at the leaderboard and you're like the it's the the Barracuda championship. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it is, it's just, it's, it's the 3 m open. I mean, it's, it's fine because it's got 156 or 144 world-class golfers, but you're not going to get, you know, missing John Rahm and and all those other guys that we're used to seeing it, it definitely took a hit. So, you know, if they don't come to a deal soon, which I was seeing today that they're getting awfully close, and I think what's going to end up happening is a lot of these guys are going to get reinstated or or have a very easy path to get reinstated. But it it definitely takes away from it. But it's just knowing that, you know, maybe this is only a short term thing. And if it meant a weak field at Tory, for a great field here at Pebble, I'm OK with trading that for a year um yeah. I, I i'm fine with that but definitely though rob not being there you know just not him lurking at a couple shots back or or leading or you know being relevant or being there at all it it, it was it was i definitely noticed it yeah yeah
1: i did too um from a betting perspective fourth straight event where we have a 100 a 100 to 1 or greater winner um it's it's i mean it's it's I've, I tell people all the time, if you're good at betting golf, it can be unbelievably profitable. Now it's really hard to be that good when, you know, just look at the last two weeks, you have an amateur winner. And then you have a guy that just joined, joined the tour that played on the Euro tour for most of his career before here. And they went back to back week. So it's also freaking impossible to predict these things. But, uh, so far it, it's just been, it's been pretty crazy going back from Chris Kirk to Grayson Murray. Um, you know nick
0: dunlap, dunlap and then dunlap, matthew, matthew, yeah. matthew pavon yeah. so i
1: i feel like this week coming week we, we gotta have what what we would call a top tier winner but i gotta say this is always my favorite part of the schedule i mean this part where we go from yeah. tory to pebble to phoenix and riv is just yeah it's this is
0: so, this, so is good. The, uh, this is so good this is the it, best
1: um what was it oh did you see the uh the the John Rahm's team announced today as, as an expansion, the first expansion team in live golf history with, uh with Haddon. And I don't even know who the other two guys were.
0: I was going to add, no, I didn't see, it. I didn't see that creepy picture that was previewed yesterday on the, the live Twitter page um, that, uh, that there was going to be announced today, but no, I, I didn't actually know that the announced Hatton for sure. I know you withdrew from Pebble today, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know the other two guys and you know, I, I hate to say I don't know when they play next, but if it's during like daylight and there's not college basketball on that I want to watch, I I might tune in a little bit. I I don't I, I just for some hit and giggle action, but uh, um, that I, I I'm kind of curious to see how kind of curious to see how John Rama look looking shorts and not a Callaway hat. That's just mostly it. Yeah.
1: So his team name is Legion Thirteen. Yeah, it's in Roman numerals.
0: It's uh, a, it's a, it's a Greek. Okay. What was he saying? He's he's big into like Greek mythology or Roman history, or he's one of those guys who, you know, this is his Roman Empire, and that's what he thinks about. And he, I don't know, I saw something that it, I, I started to watch the video, and he's that's that's what it's from though, and it, and it has some sort of Roman or Greek meaning to it. That's all I got, though.
1: Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Caleb Surratt and Karen Vincent are the other two members of, of that team with Rob and Hatton. You know, I, I I think at one point during the season last year, I, I might have texted you like, man, John Rahm interviews are the best interviews. Um, like, what his pressers, like, he is really thoughtful and well-spoken, and yeah. he provides just – kind of the perfect clarification or explanations of things that I wouldn't, you know, I just don't see other guys do even Rory, just the way he comes, comes at you. So I am going to, I'm kind of going to miss some of those things. And now when I see Ron talking, it just feels like this buttoned up censored version where I, I don't believe he wants to be there. I still don't believe he wants to be there. I just, I just, it just looks, there's this look about him. That's like, well, fuck, I had to take the money. Who wouldn't? Yeah. I don't really want to do this. And maybe he knows the end of the story before we do, which is, you know, yeah. this whole thing is going to be back together before we know
0: it. Right, right. Yeah. I, I kind of, yeah, I've always kind of thought that, that, you know, it was just one of those things. They just, they gave him a number that, you know, everybody's got their number apparently. And that was his number and they met it. And I think he had people in his family and whatnot that were like, bro, you got to take this.
1: Yeah. Listen, he's got to feed his
0: family. I uh, I know. I <laughs> know. I know. Latrell <laughs> Spreewell. Uh, uh, Bro gotta feed his family, is what he said. <laughs> Can't be living on no 10 million a year. Uh,
1: okay. uh anything else from Tory before we can close that book?
0: No, it's gonna be interesting though. I think it was is farmers they're gonna get one more year of this and then they're gonna yeah. I think they're they're ending their sponsorship so it'll be interesting to see where that goes i don't ever see it leaving tory but i hope it's the same kind of every year where you got the the skinny fairways the thick rough and it yeah. sets up as that good test and I, I you know it's just one of those things that it's the west coast swing is so great and so is the florida one as well and it's just you know <clears throat> yeah each year one of these events is gonna have to take a fall and this one's been it
1: yeah um It's, you know, we mentioned that as being a scheduled casualty with the signature events next this week and then Phoenix and then another signature events at Genesis. It's just, you know, it's just not realistic for guys to play five, six in a row. Someone that is playing a lot of golf, and and this will be my final point before we get to Pebble, as uh, Rory came out this week and announced that he's going to play at uh, uh, the Cognizant. Classic
0: Cogn- is that what in, it is now?
1: The cognizant classic in the Palm Beaches, uh, the old Honda, um, which I was pretty surprised that He's adding that. So I, I was trying to figure out if he's playing he's playing Pebble. I don't know if he's committed to Phoenix next week. I would, I, I would it's not
0: a signature event, I, I don't think he
1: is. So then Genesis <clears throat> skipping the Mexico Open, I assume, and then and then Honda API players. And then probably either mm-hmm. Houston or Valero. He, he plays. He's played Valero the last couple years prior to the Masters. That's a lot of golf before the Masters. But mm-hmm. he has said he wants to feel like he's in playing form before getting to Augusta. He's pretty much tried everything else. So maybe this will work this yeah. time.
0: And he was a, he was a United Arab Emirates. Uh, he played two uh, the two weeks there in Dubai and. Uh, Oh, whatever the other one, the yeah. two events back to back or so. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's eight, eight to ten events before the Masters.
1: Yeah, we'll see if it works <clears> out. <throat> I heard I read someone say on Twitter that his if this doesn't work this year, next year, he'll just show up Thursday morning to Augusta National like he did for the 2012 Ryder Cup with a police escort and just get to the first team yeah. and not, not think about anything and go win it after that. Uh, he's pretty much tried everything else.
0: I'm good with that. Yeah.
1: All right. So we got a signature event this week, uh, AT and T Pebble Beach program. I did not look at this, and I'm I'm embarrassed to, to to say that I don't know. Are all four rounds at Pebble this year, or are they still doing the rotation?
0: I think there's. I think they're still doing the rotation.
1: Okay. And I did not look at that ahead of time to see if that had switched because this was. A signature event
0: i am excited to see oh w- wait a minute here it, it, uh actually i think it's spyglass and pebble only
1: okay and so they've cut out monterey peninsula then
0: for this year yeah
1: okay okay so one round at each the first two days and then the weekend at... and then i think is the weekend some...
0: at. i think it's the weekend at pebble
1: okay Either way, that's I think that's an improvement to to cut out. I, I hate I just want to see I want to see all the rounds of pebble. You know yeah. and it's always on the coverage where it's like, well, this guy is tearing it up at spyglass, but we have no cameras over there and we're in twenty twenty-four.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I spyglass is actually I think it, from what I've heard is and if people who played both, it's actually the better layout. And I don't know no laying up has done some drone coverage of it and everything and they were tweeting that they're pretty excited that they're going to have more coverage because that was always the weird thing that was the one course i wanted to really really see and then you'd see like that 18th hole which has like the really crazy serpentine green or something like that they'd show like bill murray putting out on that and it was like oh okay that's that's spyglass for you
1: (laughs) you gotta get the bill murray shit in there don't you oh yeah we
0: need to have like right here we need to have like a me, every time I reference man, the celebrity thing,
1: you hate Bill Murray. That's that's Mr. Chicago. I mean, he loves the Cubs and the Bears and Illinois basketball. I mean, come on. Um, no, it's it's brutal. The program part's brutal. Um, I, I am excited to see an elite field here finally. It feels like it's yeah. been years since that's happened. I mean, maybe early 2010s when there were good fields here, uh, obviously becoming a signature event made all the difference, but, um, generally at Pebble. And I don't know from a betting standpoint, you know, if, if you look at course history, I do, I think course history here matters a little bit. I, again, it's like, I, I guys that usually play here. Well, a couple times I can count on them being in the hunt. I think of like Kevin Streelman is like, he's, he's got it here at Pebble beach. Um, you know, in the past, like Jordan Spieth, a DJ, those guys, um, I also look at guys that are just really good iron players because generally a shorter course, like this guys are playing to spots, um, you know, with, I think of like, uh, uh, the eighth hole there, where everyone's just playing to a spot. I'm looking for good iron players, but guys, that can get a get good ball up and down. These are the small screens on tour, um, guys that can just figure out getting the ball in the hole. That's why, um, foreshadowing. I love Jordan Speeth this week, actually. Um, but anything, mm. else, anything else you're looking at this week, it looks like it's going to be really cold, low 50s. It looks like a lot of winds. I saw 20 to 25 on the weekend and maybe Ooh. some rain. So it's going to be pretty ugly out there, I think.
0: So you're going to want, I mean, we don't know the personalities of the golfers, but I think, I think a big deal is going to be guys who played well, like you said, because they've dealt with all the conditions where it could be sunny in 65. It could be rainy and windy and in fifty two, you know, type of thing. So you need that patience. And I think a lot of uh a lot of these guys who've played in the event before, they they've dealt with it. Cause instead of a four hour four and a half hour round of golf that you and me would play here at one of the local golf courses, these are going to be six, six and a half hours at at uh, at all the golf courses. I don't know if it's gonna quite be that bad. It probably will, but with maybe less people that that are on the course, maybe not Um, but yeah, with the wind and everything like that, and it's such a big purse, um, they're going to be playing for quite a bit more. So you want that, that course history there. And the greens are very similar to the speed and type of grass as Tory was this last week. Um, there's a little bit more bent grass in them than there is Poana. So you're going to have to be uh, a good, uh, you know, Poana West coast putter. Um, so it'll be. A lot of I think guys who we we, like you said, we've had they've had success before in the past, and we're gonna have to look at that and I think kind of push that as players that we like, you know, this week here as well.
1: Man, it felt like no one made putts last week between Friday. No, oh my goodness. I mean, it's just like if you had a five footer, I had no confidence you were gonna make it unless it was the guy that won, uh, he's the most putts. but yep. yeah, I, I, I couldn't remember. I mean, I know Tory's traditionally, I think it's statistically the hardest course to make putts at from, you know, five feet and in yeah. something like that. But I, you know, we'll see if that, you know, some of those, some of that carries over this week. Um, look at the odds. Um, so again, when you have a stacked field like this, it gets really, really hard at the top to differentiate some of these guys. Um, Scotty's going off at eight to one. This is on DraftKings, of course. Uh, Rory at eight and a half to one. Uh, Hovland at 12. Xander at 14. Max at 16. Cantley and Spieth at 18. Morikawa at 20. JT at 22. Ludwig Bear at 28. Those are the guys under 30 to one. Um, I guess specifically, there's got to be a couple of guys you land on. I mean, this is where it's tough, like choosing Scotty and Rory over, say, a guy like Max or Cantlay or Spieth, who've had double the odds. When you know they seem to be Max seems to be in pretty decent form. Speeth showed some form out in Hawaii. It's always the age-old question is, man, does that guy have twice as good a chance of winning as some of the other guys that are right there? Um, so with that said, who do you like at the top?
0: You know, it's going to be hard to back off a Rory at, but those odds might just do it. Um, I think that – I think he's going to have a great week this week. And if I can figure out a way to get him above 10-1 to 1 odds, um, I'm, I think I'm going to have to take a look at it because – I mean, he, he's played a lot of golf already. He's played a lot of good golf already. Um, I, you know, I, I expect him to, to contend here and, and perhaps win. Now, if I can't do that, if I don't like any of the the parlaying odds that, uh, that I could do, um, Max Homa at 16 to one, I think that's, uh, I think that's going to be one of my favorite bets this week. Um, he, he wins in california um you know he, he he loves torrey and and played pretty well there um he actually didn't putt that great there at torrey but n- really nobody did so i like the way he struck the ball um and he really he, he hung in there uh to have a pretty good finish there so i like that there i was going to actually mention jordan um a little bit on a win bet i was kind of hoping he would be 20 or more but he's he's been so good at pebble and he's that attitude to play those amateur golfers and and the weather and everything like that he's got that type of attitude and patience that he'll just kind of accept what's what's going to be so I think that in itself is going to make him a a good option there so if I had to get my uh pick out the names there it's Rory but maybe not that number definitely Max and and Jordan as well
1: Uh, You know, the thing that's impressed me about Max the most is how much he has raised his floor over the last two years. Yes, that's a good point. I don't even think he played, like like I said, that great last week, but he's still able to now, he's gotten to a point where that's a top 15 or top 10. And and for a second on early in the final round, you're like, is Max going to be the guy? I think he was 400 through six. And, you know, he's kind of just doing that more regularly and it's it's pretty cool to see him elevate to this this level that i never thought he would have a chance to get to and mm. um but yeah he, he's a real dude for sure i i like that range too the 16 to 22 range i don't know if i'll get to max or not but i, I will bet speed for sure i like the course history i like what he did in hawaii Uh, I just think this golf course is a really nice fit for what he does well. Um, We know he gets really wayward with the driver. There's a lot of holes where the driver is out of his hands at Pebble, which is it's, it's clearly to his benefit. That's a good thing. Uh, Yeah, it's a good thing. Uh, So yeah, it just feels like he always figures out a way to score around here. And uh, I think 18, it's a little short, little shorter than i'd like but i think it's i I can handle that um i i do want to kind of continue this comeback season train for jt um at 22 he really played well out at uh, palm springs a couple weeks ago of course he didn't win i don't think we got to the final round that last round where you or i i think we both didn't think he was going to win of the three guys that were at the top Um, but he's showing enough ability to um, just make birdies. Um, It seems like he's hitting his driver better, and he's making enough putts early in the season where I think this is going to continue upward for for him. So 22, Mm -hmm. I I think I can handle that number as well. I was going to ask you, when you mentioned Rory at 8.5 and and looking at a parlay, what's your strategy on that? Um, What do you look at to try to play it safe enough to make sure that you, if you're trying to get him to 12 to one, do you add one game, an NBA game, or do you add two, or, you know, what do you look at for that? Because I know we both try this strategy with mixed results.
0: God damn it. You're going to, you're going to make me come and say what I, my strategy is. And these people are going to be like, what is this jackass doing? Um, not if it works. <laughs> no, not if it works. I don't. So I don't like betting betting. Uh, I don't like betting full game NBA. Um, if I, if I, if I love a team on the spread that night, I might bet a money line, Mm -hmm. but I try to stay away from full game because NBA can just get so weird, especially right now. The NBA is just so weird and I've gotten destroyed with the NBA. Actually, December was, was pretty bad. And, um, January was not great either but uh sometimes what I'll do is if I if I like a matchup let's say we'll, we'll just take your, your Indiana Pacers there um and it's gonna be a game I think's gonna gonna have a lot of points because they don't play any defense so they'll score a lot of points and I might like uh Tyrese Halliburton to uh to make a du- to to record a double double at minus 210 or something like that and that is a that's a good enough number that at plus 850 and minus 210 you're probably getting i don't know you got to be getting I would hope like a plus 1100 or something like that i try not to add too many legs because i've done that before with like college basketball where i'll go with like one game that i i feel good about against the spread and then you just add those you sprinkle on there just to get it into plus money. And, and more often than not, it just, it burns me if I get up a whole bunch of games there. So I try to limit the legs as best I can. And I, and just for, for just to be clear with everybody, because we've never really discussed like my game betting strategy. I kind of hate parlays. I I know you love them. I know a lot of people who we have used to have on the podcast, absolutely love them. They're all about it. I, I, I hate them because I'm, so bad at him i think i told you even a couple months ago i was going to try it and got absolutely waxed at it um because i was i was you know doing the nba stuff so mm-hmm. my strategy on that would be rory and it's not super bowl weekend so i can't really pick a super bowl prop i don't want to tie my money up an extra week but like for the phoenix that's what i'll probably do is i'll pick like one super bowl prop you know and um and then rory or something like that but try to get something that's got some juice on it you know but uh may add a third leg in there at times. It just, it it, kind of just varies. And it really just depends on how good the NBA or how bad the NBA has been.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely the element of risk and it's, it's probably the worst feeling if you make that bet on a Tuesday or Wednesday night with an NBA game or two, and that, that loses and you're out whatever your bet was and you never even get to Rory coming through, right? Um, I had that last week with Morikawa, and I I put him in a parlay, and it was the same game parlay plus, and I won. I won the same game parlay part, and then Morikawa missed the cut. And I think I, I think his number elevated to like uh, sixty to one. And yep. like, this is awesome. And he had a good first round, and then he was trash. Then he just
0: garbage. Yep, I did the yeah. same thing. Um,
1: so it, it can it can backfire both ways, uh, you know, with the golfer or the game you added it to. But it's definitely a strategy to try to boost some of these short numbers for the, for these top tier guys. Um, 30 to 50, uh, in this range, Finau, uh, Fleetwood, basically the same guy at 35 to one, uh, Sanjay at 35, Fitzpatrick at 35, Burns, Poston, Cam Young at 40, Poston at 40, huh? Uh, Henley at 45, Jason Day at 45, Ben on at 45, uh, and then at 50, Hogard, Tom Kim, and Bo Hostler. Hmm um some interesting numbers in there i i know you've made one bet today uh, on a guy in here you want to talk about him
0: yeah i i bet jason day um i think that's that's a pretty comfortable number for me for a guy who's playing decent golf he's uh it uh, fits the golf course profile pretty well and he's a, obviously obviously very good putter, very good short game. So if he does miss greens, I feel pretty comfortable with him and everything. Yep. Uh, 45 to one. And I just look at it like like you said, like a poston or or a Ben on. And I know Ben On's been playing well. Um, but I, I I would take Day at this point in time, you know, um uh over those types of guys like that. I do like Nikolai Hogard as well. Um, had a chance to win the golf tournament last week um he's got to be getting that jet lag at some point but he's only 22 so you know i think when i was 22 i probably didn't have that type of jet lag either so at 50 to one um i think that'd be pretty good you could look at him in a top 10 or or whatever market you feel like but uh great player uh very very good player gonna learn to close out and everything but i think 50 to one uh, I think you can look at him for one more week. And now if he's going to look at another week, you know, playing another consecutive week, then we'd be, we'd have to question that. But, uh, but those guys, um, those guys jumped out to me. And also I do, uh, I never bet Tommy Fleetwood to win, but the fact that he did win on the DP world tour, um, you know, or just after the first of the year, I think it's think's it's a pretty big deal there and um, play pretty good with that great iron player good ball striker um you know he's he's from england so the weather you know what you wouldn't think would be theoretically bother him too much the putting it can be you know, touch and go so you get what you get with him um and i think you're still kind of convinced he's going to win at some point in the, in the u.s so you know that was hey, my bold prediction yeah that was my bold 30 prediction. 35 to 1 i mean i i don't think that's a bad number at all for him
1: yeah i agree i agree well, tell me, tell me
0: why I shouldn't bet Cam Young at forty. I don't think you should bet Cam Young at forty because
2: he he doesn't I win golf tournaments.
0: Put- well, he doesn't win golf tournaments because he, he doesn't make putts. He doesn't make putts consistent enough right now. I mean, he I think everything else is kind of there. Um, they're enough to win a golf tournament. I mean, he's that good that that his ball striking can win him. But he just doesn't make enough putts these days. And you know, he'll he'll get in stretches that uh, um, around the first year when we were when I was watching those events there that he'd make some putts, made a couple holes, he'd make some birdies, and then he'd have you know a four or five footer for birdie, something like that, just to keep the momentum going. A birdie, and you know, and, he, and he'd miss it, and you just just things like that that you've got to convert those when you get the chance to make putts and make those birdies to keep momentum and to win at this high level. I just don't see it this week. I think that's, that's, I think you could, you know, I think he's still a pretty good number at 40 to one, and maybe he should be more like 35. So, I mean, we're pretty close, but I, I mean, he hasn't proven that he can win as of yet. And when he does though, I mean, he's going to blow the doors off. I feel, and, and he's going to win multiple times in a season uh, and actually probably within a month, you know, he'll probably do that. So it's going to be there. It's just, I don't, I don't feel good enough about him, at least at this point with what I've seen since, I mean, when he played well at the open championship last year and, and played well, putted poorly, uh, especially that final round. And it was just like, okay, this is, this is kind of who Cam Young is at this point.
2: Yeah.
1: I think that's correct. It, it is about, it is the same old story. It seems like when he's there in the final round, even a couple of weeks ago when he was going head to head with Rory um, and he went into the third round with a, with a big lead kind of got reduced to one or two going to the fourth round. And then he played not, not well at all. I think he finished third there. However, I think, I, I think I'm just going to talk myself into it, though, because he tends to play, and I, I know he played well uh, in Hilton Head before. I, I feel like he plays shorter courses pretty well, and this is where I think his length can be an advantage, it's kind of what Pierre was talking about earlier, and he can club down and still get it out there plenty far enough. Um, he is just so good, Tita Green. So good. Um, yeah. yeah, His putting is, is suspect. I, I don't know if I fully – Trust him getting up and down either, uh, in certain spots. But I'm probably just gonna play it. I just I don't know. I I just have a feeling, a good feeling about him this week being around. Uh, the other guy that I would love to bet, but I just don't think I can get there at fifty. Is, is I've always been a Bo hostler truther. Um, uh, he's been playing really well. For he has man, that Tory, yeah, holy yeah. shit, and he's got a good history here at Pebble. Couple- yeah. Um, 50 is really short considering he's never won i mean he's the same number as Hogarth who's playing out of his mind right now so i don't know if i get there on Bo, but might be someone that you if you throw that in a parlay with uh with a minus 300 nba winner and it hits that probably gets it to like 70 though uh, yeah so i i i, I like bow in theory, just not at 50, maybe a, a 70, if, it, if it's out there. Um, we'll just say 60 and above. Uh, anyone that you've spotted there uh, all the way down to the bottom there that's uh, that's of interest to, to you in, in this field? Uh,
0: Nick Taylor um, oh, is a name that kind of jumped out at me there. And, you know, at 110 to one, I, I can't. I, I'm not going to not bet that one. Uh, you know, it might be a very very small number, and I might back it up with a um, a top twenty or a top ten as well, because you could still get great plus odds. That's a that's a very very solid one for me. Um, let's see here. Uh, who was I? Who would have? I actually placed a bet today on Brendan Todd. Um, the weather kind of concerns me a little bit, but he played pretty good. Uh, I think it was at the Sony until he busted his driver in half. Um, but he, uh, he, he, you know, he's a guy who,
1: inflicted.
0: oh, he did it himself. Yeah. Yeah. He okay, just cracked it I thought it
1: I saw him do that, but it wasn't, yeah, it, was he, it wasn't over, his, it
0: wasn't over his knee, but I think he would, he'd like purposely leaned on it and just snap, Cause he kind of was sheepishly walking, walking away and everything like that. So, I mean, I kind I like that. There's some very interesting names here at some really high numbers. Um, oh, another guy. Uh, I like Sahith Thagala at 70 to one. Um, here,
1: here's my theory on him. Mm-hmm. If you like Spieth anywhere, you should just bet Sahith anywhere. Sahith, the yeah. They're, they're like the same escape artist type dude.
0: Yep. Yep. I mean, Sahith is just like one of those guys though. Yeah. You could just. You could have a bad week. Could have a good week. But I mean, look at Corey Connors, great ball striker at eighty to one. Um, like I said, Brendan Todd at ninety. I like like I said, Nick Taylor, Ricky Fowler at one hundred and thirty to one. Holy I Jesus! Saw that.
1: I saw that. I mean, he's top. He's top thirty in the world. Ricky Fowler. Uh, that's, that's he was number. so
0: bad at at Kapalua. Was that- he
1: okay? I didn't. I did I guess it fell off my radar.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. He was, I mean, that he couldn't make a putt. I mean, it was just like, it was bad. It was really, okay. really, really bad. Um, and then the other guy kind of like, um, he just actually just got in. Um, he lives or lived, grew up at Pebble, it was Matt McNeely, 150 to one. Again, not sure if I like him as a win bet. I mean, you could throw a little bit on him if you wanted to, but again, top 10, top 20 market if you like something like that. But he's had some success there. Like I said, grew up on the golf course. His dad, uh, is the CEO of KPMG. So and pretty significant lives on one Brazilian of the holes. There. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, so he's, uh, he, he's a guy I like there. So interesting names though, like just names I don't expect to see at more than a hundred to one or more than 80, 80 to one that are, that are in there.
1: All right. I, I got, I got the guy down the board.
0: Okay. I've got the
1: spec um he started out, I think, closer to 100 early in the week, and I probably should have hit it then and I haven't, but now he's down to 75. It's our friend Denny McCarthy. Denny. Denny has been, and I wrote the notes down today. Um finished fourth and twelfth in his last two starts here. Um his form is pretty good over the last 24 rounds. He's number one in the field, uh, putting on POA. Third and scrambling, those are all the boxes I need. He's not long, of course. He's not like the best iron player in the world, but he's one of these guys that when he gets going, he just makes a ton of birdies. Tons
0: of birdies, good putter.
1: And, and yeah, if you want to talk about the opposite of what we saw last week, guys missing every putt, Xander on a Saturday missing everything, Finao, Aber, all these guys missed every single putt they looked at. This is a guy that actually make them. Um, so now it's just playing his way into that spot. I'm still I'm still sad for him that he didn't win the Memorial when I was there last year when he should have won, although I did have the winning ticket on Hovland. I, I was kind of rooting for McCarthy just to get his first win because he really played well. I, I just think he's so close to getting his first win, and we talk about a lot of these guys that are on the, the precipice of winning. Um, I just really like him this week, so I'll be betting Denny and probably suffering the same fate that I usually do with him. Um, I did already pet, bet Pat Rogers. That's just a fear of missing out situation. I have to continue going down that road, but he has been playing very well as, as well. And he's a West coast guy, um, plays well out just most years on the West coast, actually Tory riv, uh, pebble decent record. So I've already hit him at 80 to one. Um, Cam Davis is the other one on my, uh, my board at 90. Um, <clears throat> I just like his game. I think he's got a high ceiling. Um, Also a guy that has played well on shorter type layouts Um, over the past couple of years, you would think it'd be that, you know, just being a bomber, but I I really like these longer hitters on shorter layouts, kind of like for a couple of years, that was my Gary Woodland play with uh, him him playing shorter courses. I always played him. Um, So Cam Davis at 90, I like him as well. So that's probably where my card would end as far as going any further down the board. But this is a great field, great tournament.
0: Um, this is be great. The I weather, encourage the weather's going to be junk, but
1: it's still be fun.
0: There, there's there's no football on this weekend. Watch uh, watch this. What uh, CBS will be good. It'll it'll capture Pebble, and it could be it could be blowing and and ugly and everything that. But this is a great field. This is one you know one that we're gonna we're gonna want to watch. And you know, I I can't wait for it. This is uh, even watching Bill Murray hit hit a couple golf shots on Saturday. No one thing again. I, I always say this on CBS is they Saturdays for the celebrities. They don't show a ton of actual like golf. They show the the celebrities. They interview them and all that other stuff. It's supposed to be that fun thing. They'll probably doing it less this year because it is a signature event. But Sunday they don't even any of them that made the cut don't they don't show them. It'll be just strictly focused on the guys on tour and we're going to get a winner this week somewhere um i i feel it we're not going to have this uh you know 400 to one guy i think it's going to be up there uh near the top and uh we'll get those picks out hopefully uh we're gonna have to get them out tomorrow then and uh
1: yeah.
0: uh yeah get them up there and everything so
1: yeah you know who's worse than bill murray though oh
0: there's a lot that's worse than bro i actually don't mind bill murray i i I just say that
1: well i agree with you this shit got kind of old right uh but the guy that always drove me crazy and i don't know where what he's doing these days larry the fucking cable guy did anyone actually like him and then to watch him hit golf shots did anyone ask for that
0: (laughs) I, i i didn't but i don't usually ask many of them yeah they do show Larry the cable guy too much, you know, cause it's the same thing. He wears the, the same, you know get up there with the, the camo with the sleeves ripped off, and it's like okay. I,
1: I just don't know who's wanting to see him, period. Um I don't know. A lot of Ray Romano in this one as well. Um traditionally, I don't well, mind seeing I don't mind seeing the athletes, you know. I know like Brady's played. Claire Fitzgerald's
0: a good golfer. Yeah. He he plays. What Tony Romo? Yeah,
1: yeah. Cool. Uh, well, yeah. What well, he'll be playing, even with calling the Super Bowl right next week. I don't know.
0: Well, the Super Bowl's in two weeks, so yeah, he's got he got well, nothing to do this weekend.
1: Well, no, I mean like next week though. So I. Uh,
0: what's that? Well, he'll be playing in Pebble because of the Super Bowls. Yeah, the following week. Because
1: so he he'll, he'll still be in Pebble even though he's got a okay. Well.
0: I, I I'm sure. I mean, what what else is he going to do? Is he going to prepare for the broadcast? I mean, that's I not know. evident he doesn't.
1: Well, he's got real competition now that Tom Brady's going to be in the game. So, I, by the way, I can't wait for Brady. And we talked about this a little bit. I love Greg Olson, but I, I think Brady's going to be awesome. And I could be. I think winning. he is. I think he is. I, okay. he is.
0: I, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Without... <laughs> I think he could. I mean, he seemed to, he's got a, he's got a little bit of a personality. It's just, you know, I like, I liked listening despite the Lions result. I liked listening to Greg Olson. He was just, yeah. he was just phenomenal. Was very good. what. So, yeah, we'll see.
1: And, and probably most people don't care about these kind of things nearly as much as you and I do. Uh, we break down announcer teams and for all sports. Uh, oh you know
0: these people are these people are watching the video right now and they're like jesus christ will this end because they may say something that's interesting at the very end (laughs) jokes on you guys
1: Uh, all right uh picks up on wednesday the pod will be out as as well on wednesday uh hopefully have a good week all right uh all right time to (laughs) time to end this uh Check us out on YouTube, Apple uh, and Spotify. Uh next early next week, I will have uh the third year. I'll be doing Super Bowl prop bets show with my friend uh Rich, college friend. Um uh, third year row, we'll do that. Really fun one. So we'll have that up at least next week and we'll see if we can churn out something else for the Super Bowl prior to uh the big game. So thanks for listening. Catch you next. Time.